हेलो हेलो हाय गाइस आई होप एवरीबॉडी इज डूइंग गुड वेलकम बैक टू अनदर एक्साइटिंग पॉडकास्ट ऑफ सटलाट ऑफ नॉट गिविंग अ फक लेट्स स्टार्ट द एपिसोड बी केयरफुल व्हाट यू बिलीव इन 1988 व्हाइल इन द थेरेपी द जर्नलिस्ट एंड द फेमिनिस्ट ऑथर मैरिडिथ मैरिन came to a startling realization her father had sexually abused her as a child it was a shock to her a repressed memory she had spent most of her adult life obvious oblivious to but at the age of 37 she confronted her father and also told her family what had happened mad news horrified her entire family her father immediately denied having done anything some family members said some family members sided with meredith others sided with her father the family tree was split in two and the pain that had defined meredith's relationship with her father since since long before her accusation accusation now spread like a mold across its branches it tore everyone apart then in 1996 madit came to another startling realizing her father actually hadn't sexually abused her i know oops she with the help of a well-intentioned therapist had actually invented the memory consumed by the guilt she spent the rest of her father's life attempting to reconcile with him and other family members through constant apologizing and explaining but it was too late her father passed away and her family would never be the same it turned out marriage wasn't alone as she described in her autobiography my life a true story of false memory throughout the 1980s many women accused male family members of sexual abuse only to turn around and recent year later similarly there was a whole swath of the people who claimed during this that same decade that there was a satanic cult abusing children yet despite police investigation in dozens of cities police never found any evidence of the crazy practices described why were people suddenly inventing memories of horrible abuse in families and cults and why was it all happening then in the 1980s every play the telephone game as a kid ever play the telephone game as a kid you know you say something in one person's ears and it gets passed through like 10 people and what the last people hears is completely unrelated to what you started with that's basically how our memories work we experience something then we remember it slightly differently a few days later and as if it had been whispered and misheard then we tell somebody about it and have to fill in a couple of the plot holes with our own embellishments to make sure everything makes sense and we are not crazy 
And then we come to believe those little filled in mental gaps and so we tell those the next time too. Except they are not real, so we get them a little bit wrong. And we drunk one night a year later when we tell the story, so we embellish in it so we embellish it a little bit more. Okay, let's be honest. We completely make up about one third of it. But when we are sober the next week, we don't want to admit that we are a big fat liar. So we go along with the revised and newly expanded drunk version of our story. And five years later, I absolutely swears to God, swear on my mother's grave. Truer than true story is at most 50% true. We all do this, you do, I do, no matter how honest and well-intentioned we are, we are in a perpetual state of misleading ourselves and others for no other reasons than that our brain is designed to be efficient, not accurate. Not only does our memory suck, suck to the point that eyewitness testimony isn't necessarily taken seriously in court cases, but our brain functions is in a horribly biased way. How so? Well, our brain is always trying to make sense of our current situation based on what we already believed and have already experienced. Every new piece of information is mired against the values and conclusion we already have. As a result, our brain is always biased toward what we feel to be true in that moment. So when we have a great relationship with our sisters, We'll trap most of most of our memories about her in a positive light. But when the relationship soars, we'll often come to see those exact same memories differently. Reinventing them in such a way as to explain our present day anger towards her. That sweet gift she gave us last Christmas is now remembered as patronizing and condescending. Condescending. The time she forgot to invite us to her lake house is now seen not as innocent mistake but as a horrible negligence. Meredith's fake abuse story makes far more sense when we understand the value in which her beliefs arose. First of all, Meredith had had a strained and difficult relationship with her father throughout most of her life. Second, Meredith had had a series of failed intimate relationships with men including a failed marriage. So already in terms of her values, close relationship with men weren't doing so hot. Then in the early 1980s, Madrid became a radic- radical feminist and began doing research into child abuse. She was confronted with horrific stories after horrific stories of after horrific story of abuse and she dealt with the incest survivors, usually little girls, for years one end. For years on an on end. She also reported extensively on a number of inaccurate studies that came out around the time, studies that is later turned out grossly overestimated the prevalence of the child molestation. The most famous study report that a 
that a third of adult women had been sexually molested as a child as a children a number that has since been shown to be false and on top of all this madit fell in love and began a relationship with another woman and an incest survivor madit developer Meredith developed a codependent and toxic relationship with her partner, one in which Meredith continually tried to save the other woman from the trauma from her from her traumatic past. Her partner also used her traumatic past as a weapon of the guilt to earn Meredith's affection. More on this and boundaries in chapter 8 meanwhile meredith's relationship with her father deteriorated even further he wasn't exactly thrilled that she was now in lesbian relationship and she was attending therapy at the most at an almost compulsive rate her therapist who had their own values and beliefs driving their behavior regularly insisted that it couldn't simply be meredith's highly stressful reporting job on her poor relationship that were making her so unhappy it must be something else something deeper around this time a new form of the treatment called repressed memory therapy was becoming huge popular this therapy involved the therapist putting a client into a trance like state where she was encouraged to root out and re-experience forgotten childhood memories these memories were often banned But the idea was that at least a few of them would be traumatic as well. So there you have poor Meredith, miserable and researching incest and child molestation every day, angry at her father having endured an entire lifetime of the failed relationship with men, and the only person who seems to understand her or love her is another woman who is survivor of incest. Oh. and she is lying on a couch crying every other day with a therapist demanding over and over that she remember something she can't remember and voila you have a perfect recipe for invented memory of the sexual abuse that never happened Our mind's biggest priority when processing experiences is to interpret them in such a way that they will cohere with all of our previous experiences, feelings and beliefs, but often we run into life situations where past and present don't cohere. On such occasions, what we are experiencing in the moment flies is the face of everything we have accepted as a true and reasonable about our past. In an effort to achieve coherence, our mind will sometimes, in cases like that, invent false memories. By linking our present experiences with that imagined past, our mind allows us to maintain whatever meaning we already established. As noted earlier, Meredith's stories is not unique. In fact, in the 1980s and early 1990s, hundreds of innocent people were wrongly accused of sexual violence under similar circumstances. Many of them were to prison for it for people who were dissatisfied with their lives these suggest these suggestive explanations combined with the sensitization 
sensitizing media that were were that were veritable epidemics of sexual abuse and stanic violence going on and you could be a victim too gave people's unconscious mind of the mind the incentives to forge their memories a bit and explain their current suffering in a way that allowed them to be victim and avoid responsibility repressed memory therapy then acted as a mean of pull these unconscious desires out and put them into a seemingly tangible form of a memory this process and the state of mind it resulted in became so common that a name was introduced for it false memory syndrome it changed the way courtroom operate thousands of therapists were sued and lost their license repressed memory therapy fell out of the practice and was replaced by the more practical method recent research had only reinforced the painful lessons of that era our, our beliefs are malleable and our memories are horrible uh, horribly unreliable there are a lot of conventional wisdom out there telling you to trust yourself to go with your gut and all sorts of other pleasant sounding tricks sounding cliches but perhaps the answer is to trust yourself less and after all if our heart and minds are so unreliable maybe we should be questioning our own intentions and motivations more if we are all wrong all the time then isn't self skepticisms and the rigor rigorous challenging of our own beliefs and assumptions the only logical route to progress this may sound scary and self destructive but it's actually quite the opposite it's not only the safer option but it's liberating as well i hope you all will enjoy this episode thank you for listening this